define ready? Define ready? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm as ready as we're going to get. Define ready, when you say it like that, sounds like a name. My name is Define Ready. Yeah, that's going to actually be my next band name. Though. Define Ready. Hello, Cleveland. <laughs> I don't know why you develop a British accent. But. Yeah, well, it's Cleveland. It's Cleveland. Everybody has a British accent in Cleveland. It is amazing to me to this day how throughout my lifetime, British singers so often sing with an American accent. Like you hear the Beatles and half the time it sounds American. But or, how would you sing with whoever. a British accent? And then when you sing, what American singers will so regularly pick up a British accent or some affectation. Like Madonna. <laughs> but she speaks with a British accent now too. Well, no, Even yeah, though she's but, from Detroit. Right. Sorry, Madonna. Um, but how would you sing with a... I don't think I can name one British singer that I would think distinctively sings with a British accent. Maybe Adele. Maybe. She's like got the very Cockney thing going on, though. Yeah, and when people do country music, they sing with a southern accent, even if they're, if they're from, from New Jersey. Right. So, even right. Bon Jovi seemed to pick up a little bit of a little bit of a southern accent when he did his country stint. I did that. Oh yeah. But then you have the opposite when Garth Brooks did his Chris Gaines stuff. He didn't have. We're uh, in denial. <laughs> we're we're we, pretending we that blo- didn't we blocked exist. that out. <laughs> he had that one song that wasn't bad. It was a single, right? I wouldn't know. I, oh, you had you listened to the Chris Gaines album. No, I remember, I remember I, that. I, remember I saw the, the display at Walmart, and I'm like, no. I remember the image vividly with like the emo hair. SMH, walk away. Oh gosh, so, good times, the '90s. Yeah. That was the '90s, right? From what I have heard, uh, I think it was my brother told me it was actually a pretty good album. It just there was, was a not single. Garth Brooks. It was kind of weird. There was so. a single, and I'm gonna forget what it was, but that was pre Trisha Yearwood, I think. Yeah, he went through she a She reeled of a, him back in. He kind of went nuts there for a little while, I guess. I, Who didn't in I the 90s? Know. I don't know, but apparently Trisha can cook her way into reality. I do things, like her so. cooking show. It seems very realistic. I watch her and the Pioneer Woman. That's a, Shelley loves the Pioneer Woman. What's her last? Bree Re, something? Bree Drummond. Bree, that's right. Bree Drummond. She lives in Pawhuska, Oklahoma. I get very invested in the people that I watch. We have her cake dish at home, her cake pedestal. So do I. I have a lot of cake pedestals. My mom thinks I have a problem. Your mom and your sister both. I can stop buying cake pedestals anytime I want. Okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's talk about something else. So many of them were gifted to me. (laughs) So Um. as we're looking at this, we're talking about you know Garth Brooks deciding to sell out to the Chris Gaines Mm. idea, and you know. In the end, he came back to it, but it, at that moment, he failed to stand firm in the in the movement of music and his life, and so he ended up kind of veering away from his true self as Garth Brooks. And when he returned to being Garth Brooks, then legendary status returned to him as well. He and found all so. of his friends in little places. <laughs> yeah, well, he... Uh, he is a picture of of what we often do. the The tide turns, the the flood goes, and I'm not making a comparison. Uh, you know, saying that Garth Brooks is somehow terrible because he was Chris Gaines for a minute or whatever. Although the music, might I'll just let you guys decide <laughs> for yourselves. Uh, I don't know about the music, but the the emo pictures, dude, dude. It was but, in. But in all seriousness, that being in kind of what moved that direction and we see that happen a lot of the time you know where uh, bands that are huge because they're awesome because they're actually really good 
music styles change and mm-hmm. all of a sudden the world goes grunge and all of those bands are gone and then grunge is gone and all of those bands are gone it's so we follow whatever the flavor is and that happens to us in the world a lot and as christ followers we are called to stand firm mm-hmm. even when everything around us is shifting and changing and we see that happen all the time i was thinking about that going back to music for a minute i got you know how facebook gives you memories or whatever that pop up and you can share them or whatever i got one today and it was 10 years ago and uh facebook 10 years ago wow facebook started the year i started college and Mm. at that time you were all you could only have myspace at that time oh i I loved myspace (laughs) it was so much more customizable anyway uh, you had to have a .edu email address to have a Facebook gotcha. when it first started. It was only for college students. Hmm. Um, and then it opened up to whoever. Um, but it, 10 years ago, uh, I, play, I was playing music, and I got a, a notification of a picture of a flyer from one of the shows that I did. And I thought, wow, this was like really early <laughs> on when I was doing that. But then I thought to myself, I was looking at some of the other bands that were on the, on the uh, schedule, and I was like, wow. None of these guys, they were all men. (laughs) None of these guys are doing this anymore. Hmm. And they were like big at the time, like in the Kalamazoo scene. And and, uh, I was like, wow, everything. And we all thought that was so cool at the time. And it was like this little group. And, you you know, you always knew which bands were going to play here and which bands were in that scene. And I think to myself, I don't know if that is even still going on. Like, uh, bands, I don't hear about, do kids do that anymore? <laughs> like, do kids play music in those kind of bands and play shows? Anymore? I don't hear about it. Maybe it's just because I'm out of that scene. But I don't think it's as prominent so as it used to be. you're an old mom now. I am. So. Look at my card again. Um, but <laughs> like I think, you weren't wearing that in high that's school. That's true. But I think, you know, that just reminded me, like, wow, things really, really change. But you can look at that in just any aspect of life if you look at how trends come and go or uh, just even waves of different belief systems come and go. Um, yeah, so. before we started the podcast today, uh, you and I were talking about the, the persecutions that we might face today, the price that we face, and, and how different it is uh, in, our, in our society, and, and how it's increasingly difficult, and yet the price isn't as high as it is in other, other sure. areas of the world, or, or certainly throughout history. But there is the... the if I could say the persecution of trendiness that, hmm. that goes on as persecution of popularity <laughs> as things. Well, yeah, as we as we see various thoughts come and go. And right now, uh, you know, postmodernism is a joke. We know it's a joke. It's been a joke, but it's not a funny joke. And so as we've been, I don't know why I keep messing with this. I should not because it's probably making noise in the audio. Uh, but <clears throat> that's my ADHD kicking in. So as we as we see the world now and, and it's amazing to me how 20 years ago we were talking about uh, the onslaught of postmodernism and anybody over you know college well i was going to say over college age but college professor age <laughs> um, anybody outside of uh, of that unreality of of the academic elite could recognize Truth is truth, must be truth. It cannot not be truth. It cannot be subjective. That's the nature of things. So the idea that you can have your truth and I can have my truth and they can be different and they can be contradictory and yet both be true. Right. And, and the, the law of non-contradiction doesn't exist. Right. That was 
pretty universally rejected. However, because the narrative kept being pushed, you know, we continued to, to push this idea, when you say something long enough, people believe it. Mm-hmm. And so now we're seeing the effects of that postmodern worldview pervasive in, in our society. And to the point where we have the our very government legally recognizing, and I, I shouldn't laugh, but I do, that unreality is reality and reality does not exist. And so we're, we have the, the government saying murder is bad uh, unless you're in the womb. So, that, you know, that doesn't really matter. Uh, that that you are a racist even when you don't know you're a racist. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, you're in, in this systemic problem even when there is not a systemic problem because we decide we're going to base this on perception. Regardless of evidence, when there are enough people saying it, we believe it. And mm-hmm. so we, you know, we... Even if you don't want to say out loud that you believe it, something gets into your subconscious. Well, and we and were it, talking about this again before, before we start up. We should probably should have started recording right, then. Sorry. But, but as we're going through this, you know, you've got so many folks who are pushing... We need more women in power, more women in power, more women in power. And then at the same time, deciding that there is no gender. You, you know, you, you, gender is whatever you decide. It's however you want to make it. Well, then how does that work? How can you have women in power if there's no such thing as women? If, it, if it's all very subjective and you, you want women in power, but not Amy Coney Barrett, not, not a woman who... Very specific women in power. Right. You want women who fit your narrative. You want black people who fit your narrative. You certainly don't want to hear the... We love to talk about black voices, but we don't want to hear from any black conservatives. Heavens no. We certainly don't want a black female conservative to speak. That should never happen. We certainly don't want a black conservative female Christian to speak. That can't happen. Um, and we, we decided what we want to call truth based not on, on really even changing... Uh, indulge me here as I say this poorly, not really on changing thoughts, but on changing trends. We're not digging deep and saying, oh, we've, we've really sought this, this wisdom. We've sought this knowledge and truth, and we've wrestled with it. And in the struggle, we have discovered that perhaps we were looking at it wrongly. And so we've changed our convictions. I don't see convictions. What I see is a mob mentality that, and I think Looking back and looking at what we see in, in Acts 19, 20, 21, 22, uh, and, and really throughout, we see this mob mentality taking place um, that we get caught up in things, and we don't even know what or why. Right. It just gets said loudly and often and, until we believe it. Right. Like, you know, come up with whatever you want to say. There was a, a time 10 minutes ago, realistically, when... People in the Democratic Party were saying well, Joe Biden is a, is a sexual. Well, I, 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 it is, I guess, a little political, but I want to I want to keep it more philosophical. Where people in the Democratic Party were saying Joe Biden is a you know sexual predator and all these different things that, that you're saying that you know he's he was dangerous and uh, all these different things. And then it changed. Well, well, why? Because at one point. He wasn't the guy you wanted in. So you say things that were clearly untrue about Joe Biden. You were disparaging this man's character over things that were not factually evident. 
Now, whether those things are true or, or, or not, that may or may not be, but it was not relevant to any facts, any evidence that was being produced because he's a close talker in, in his personality. He puts his arms around people a lot. You know, he's a hugger, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Those are the things that made him popular for 40 plus years. And then all of a sudden, because you, you wanted to hold him back, oh, you know, you watch out for Joe, it's right. creepy Joe, right? And now all of a sudden that goes away. Not, nothing had actually changed. Right. Just not Joe Biden's not different. He's the same guy. You could say the same thing for Trump. There's a, a 90s interview on, right, on, yeah. Oprah, on Oprah with Donald Trump. And I think one at one point she flat out asks him, or an audience member asks him, they were talking about him running for president. He's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And one of the audience members is like, please, Mr. Trump, we need you to yeah. run for president. Oprah was pushing Right. And now... I mean, we just want to erase all those tapes. I haven't followed Donald Trump over the years because, for most of my life, he was just you know a businessman, and then he had that TV show and whatever. Yeah, he was was an icon in the background, right? And so I didn't really follow him. But from what I understand, he really hasn't changed his his. Some, I mean, he definitely changed on abortion. That's that's a major change for him. But he's, I mean. But how can you go so from one extreme to another? And like you said, right. just because it doesn't fit your we, narrative. We loved you. We hated you. Right. He was, whatever you want to say about his character, his character did not change a ton. Right. It, it didn't get worse. Right. If anything, it seems to have, have gotten better. Who knows? Maybe it's not. I don't, I don't know one way or another. But when he was hanging out with Hugh Hefner at the Playboy Mansion, you loved him. Right. Same people that hate him now. You wanted his money and you loved him. What what changed was not him. It wasn't really your convictions. It was the trend. Mm-hmm. You decided, you know, I'm going to all of a sudden hate this guy. Now, and I agree. I mean, you can debate should, a lot of different things. Twitter, but, well, I mean, but, again, trying to, uh, I want to make sure that we don't um, confuse people. We're not trying to talk. About no, the politics not, no. end of it here, um, I have very specific views. You have very specific views. That's not really what we're what we're trying to convey here. But but the tendency of us as people and it's the climate we're in right now. Yeah, it's, hard to avoid it, it, it's really about amplified it. in, in right. this climate for sure. Uh, but but our tendency as people, not necessarily to think through and have different convictions. Uh, I I wish sometimes that were the case. I wish that you know when when. Honestly, even when uh, Donald Trump changed from being a Democrat to being a Republican, I don't know how much his convictions about various things changed. Um, But other than abortion, that's the one thing that stands out that he actually, you know, changed his position on. But uh, but other than that, I don't know that he stands in a different place. Um, Now, perhaps it's because the Democratic Party shifted uh, more to the left. Uh, but, but when people say he's a right-wing fanatic, you know, he's an extremist or whatever, I, <laughs> I, I just don't see that because I don't know that he's changed a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So if, he was, if he's a right-wing extremist, he was a right-wing extremist before as a Democrat when you all loved him. The point being that we don't necessarily think things through to their logical conclusions. Uh, and, and I use... Biden and Trump as examples, not that's not the point. They're just a, a picture of the way thinking changes. Mm-hmm. In in uh, 2008, both Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton publicly stated their position: 100% believe in traditional marriage, one man, one woman. That's it, 100%. That was their position. <clears throat> By 2012, 
American opinion had changed mm -hmm. and their positions changed. And it went from, it, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was like in 2008, it was 71% of Americans or something like that um, did not believe in same-sex marriage, believed in, in traditional marriage. And then by 2012, it had flipped. It was like exactly the opposite numbers. Well, was there new evidence that came out? No, I don't think so. But the, the trend changed. And because people heard the narrative enough times, we, we heard it loudly, we heard it often, people began to believe, they began to take a different position. And that happens in our world, even regarding uh, Christians. Right. You know, it, we, we see that Tim Tebow was loved until he was hated. You know, and, and all of a sudden he's the worst possible quarterback in the history of the world. He's the worst guy in the world. He's a terrible influence. Wait, how did that happen? When the same guy doing the same things, still winning, mm -hmm. still saying the same things about Jesus and about life, and doing it in a winsome way, right. all of a sudden now he's anathema. Why is that? Because the crowd shifted. And so going back to what you had said prior to the podcast, that there is an increasing difficulty, not because we're facing incarceration or, or martyrdom, uh, in our society, it's happening around the world, but it's not happening here per se. But that that pervasive, um, the persecution of popularity, as you said, that, that pervasive shifting of trends. We love that you're a Christian person as long as being a Christian person doesn't mean anything. Well, like yeah. I said, I think it was a couple of weeks ago about Tim Tebow. He was fine when he you know, had the John 3.16 or whatever painted right. on his face because, you know, that's comfortable, that's cute, whatever. But when he actually starts talking... Right about Jesus and about God. Explaining what John 3.16 right. means. Or and people are like, no, 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 that's yeah. too much. Right. And uh, so I, this is what You can be Christian as long as being Christian doesn't actually mean being Christian. It's like you want Christianity light, yeah. you know? And that's, yeah. that's to me, that's kind of dangerous because... I have a friend who was caught in the depths of despair and, and grew up in a fire and brimstone mm -hmm. kind of home. The family's just harsh, you know, uh, his dad was... You know, kind of on the abusive end from, I didn't know him, but from what I was told. Marries into a family that is so liberal mm. in their, they're, they're Christians and they're active in the church and so on. But the Christianity that they have espoused is so, um, so fluffy, so light. Believe what the society tells you to believe rather than what the scripture says. So that we don't have the scripture as a guide. There isn't a, a rudder of truth there. And at that point, it's so liberal, it's meaningless. So if you're supposed to find hope from Christ, and what you have is your torment between the abusive hellfire and brimstone and the... Uh, feel good. And, and the, you know, whatever whatever you feel is right. You know, God wants you to be happy. Therefore, you know, homosexuality can't be wrong. Right. Uh, you know, there is no real, there's no real sin. So, you know, sleeping together, living together outside of marriage, that, there's nothing wrong with that because God wants you to be happy. And, and this is normal in our society. That used to not be normal, but now it's normal. So it must be good. What's normal must be good. Where are you going to find hope? Christianity can't be both of those things. And if both of those extremes uh, are the picture that you have, why would you not reject it? I mean, who wants this dysfunctional, uh, you know, psychotic sort of multiple personalities faith? 
please don't let me touch that wire again. Just slap I'm, me. If you see I'm, me reach out there, just slap me for it. You heard it. But, I gave, you gave me permission. <laughs> so as we are, um, as we're trying to, to work through following Jesus, we have to get past. If we're going to, to do what we were talking about in, in Acts 20, 21 and 22, like Paul, where you know what's ahead of you. Paul mm-hmm. Paul goes into this just to for anybody that wasn't uh, listening to the sermon on Sunday or the last podcast. Um, as we're <clears throat> as we're working through here, Paul's on his way to Jerusalem, and everywhere he goes, all of his friends are receiving a picture from the Holy Spirit that the bad things are going to happen. So they plead with him not to go to Jerusalem, and Paul himself. Uh, in chapter 20, before he goes, he says, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what's going to happen, but I know by the Holy Spirit that every place I go and every city, beatings and jail and bad things are, are awaiting me. So um, that is on his mind. He knows it, but he is undeterred. He will not be dissuaded because he's already reckoned the cost of these things. He's already budgeted for the suffering and said the, the, the testimony of Christ is so much more important and worth so much more than any suffering I might go through that I, I'm not going to sweat it. So they're, they're begging him not to go. He goes anyway. He knows what's coming. He goes anyway. And he stands in the face of it. He, uh, he uses it as a platform to be able to testify to the gospel. If we're going to do that, if we're going to follow Jesus standing firm when the price is high, then we have to move past this religious idea of Christianity. You know, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. Well, why? Well, because I go to a Christian church or because I I believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's got to be more than that. And I don't mean more complicated than that. I mean deeper than that. It has to be a soul conviction. This is my core value that I believe that Jesus is reality. Jesus is life. And anything else is small by comparison. And that's what we see throughout the book of Acts. That's what we see Paul living out here. But, but throughout this entire book, we see, as Jesus told them, that they would receive power from on high and that they would be uh, his witnesses in Jerusalem and the surrounding area and to the ends of the earth. Um, that truth for them and for us remains. Mm-hmm. We need the power of the Holy Spirit because this has to be more than a set of religious beliefs that we adhere to. Therefore, this is our code. This is the promise we've made. I speak my creed and I stand forth in my in my strong willpower. That doesn't work well because human willpower is small. Right. So and again, it's also a testimony to the to the credibility of the New Testament. Why, you know, some of the so many of the arguments about well, the resurrection actually never happened, and the disciples maybe took the body and they disposed right, right, of it, right. and so they they tried to to say this. Many people will die for a delusion, mm-hmm. but people will not die for a known lie. Right. I'm not gonna I'm not going to pay a price greater than my benefit for something that I know isn't true. I, I'll, I'll pay a high price as long as I believe that what I'm getting back from the lie is, is bigger than, uh, than whatever else, than what it's going to cost me. So a kid that you know, does something wrong will deny and deny and deny until denying beca- costs them more right. than confessing. Right. 
Which it often does. Right. But if you if you know that that what you're accused of isn't true, mm-hmm. well, that's a whole other story. Right. Now now all bets are off. So if if the disciples knew that Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, now you even if you say that he didn't, what you can't say is that they knew that he didn't because they would not have gone spent a lifetime of persecution. This it's not like prosperity gospel stuff where you get to go, you know, hey, I, I believe in this resurrected Nazarene and therefore I'm going to go drive a Cadillac and have a fancy right. life. It's the opposite of that. You're giving up whatever you have to suffer, suffer, suffer until you die. And most of the disciples died at horrible deaths. Yeah, so <laughs> that you don't do that right. knowing that this is just something we're ma- we're making up. Right. That only works if you have something to gain in this life. Mm. But if you know that it isn't true, then at best, you could say that all of these people, of this, not just the 12, but all of these who were involved, they all had a mass delusion. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could maybe try and make that case. It's pretty tough to make that case. But it, you would have to. That makes more sense than, than they lied. Because you can't stand the way they did, facing the persecution that they did, knowing you're going to face that persecution for something that you don't actually know in your knower, that you're not so deeply convinced is the reality, that this is truth at the expense of everything else. I fear sometimes that the problem we have as Christ followers in our world is that we really don't fully believe what we say we believe. Mm. We believe it in theory. We believe in this conceptual Christ, but not in the in the reality that he actually is God in flesh, having literally walked on this earth just like you and me, gone through all the temptations that we go through yet never sinned, laid down his life for us to literally be this, our sin before God, to, to be the substitutionary payment, the substitutionary atonement to redeem us, to pay the price for our sins. If we don't actually believe that at, at a visceral gut level, then when the hardship comes, it becomes really easy for us to turn back. Yeah. And as has become now the, the habit on our podcast, uh, I need to mention The Pilgrim's Progress. One of the reasons that, that that book is enduring for 500 years almost is when we, when we look at the Christian walk, what we get told or what we tend to believe is so often that you get saved and then that's it. You just you, you live your life in happiness and you hang out and all of a sudden all of your behaviors change, your mentality changes, your perfect. appearance changes, uh, and, and nothing is bad. That's not reality. It's never been reality. It's almost the opposite. <laughs> it's, it's specifically the opposite. When Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the right. world. He wasn't kidding. Right. When he said, everyone will hate you because of me and those who stand firm receive the crown of life. He wasn't kidding. And so there's so much, even in the Old Testament, you know, and and Israel often would misconstrue blessing as God's favor. And and sometimes it was and sometimes it wasn't. But the concept of shalom was bigger than than what we might see. It, It did involve prosperity, for sure. It involved harmony 
with God, between the, the reality of my life and the reality of, of who God is. And so the pursuit of shalom culminates in the return of Messiah and the establishment of God's kingdom on, on earth. Well, all of that is we can see now through Christ more clearly is still yet future, but we're seeing the foretaste of that in the church today. Israel was the foretaste of what the church would be a foretaste of as, we, as we're going forward. But in all of it, Israel stands against the world. Mm -hmm. They stand out, they're called out, they're separate. And in this constant, um, I guess, minority status, I don't know if that's really what I want to say, but, but yes, it, for sure it's true, um, they were opposed by the nations that surrounded them. And then with God's blessing, they, they had peace and prosperity and strength. And when they turned from God, they lost that. And they, but they were even then they were opposed. They were just able to stand against the opposition. Then over, uh, you know, past the exile, when when God said, "Okay, you've gone far enough. We're going to put an end to this." <clears throat> he still is keeping his promises to Israel ultimately, and that is yet to come. But as he as he did this, Israel then is scattered, hmm. and we know. From that time to this, anti-Semitism has been real throughout the world. They are constantly opposed by people around them. Even now that they don't officially stand for God, they still, uh, by their just by their name and presence, stand for God, uh, even, even as a secular state. The church is in a similar boat, that even though Christianity as a religion is huge, over the, the face of the earth. Following Christ as a personal faith right. is still persecuted and opposed, largely within what is referred to as the church right. a lot of the time. It reminds me, I don't know if I just told you this or if I said it last week, I apologize if I'm repeating myself. I was There was a video um, and it was this, this girl and she, I don't know how long ago, she was in a, a homosexual relationship and she got out and, and she was a Christian <clears throat> and she got out of it. And so she was she was explaining to people, you know, why she got out of it and blah, blah, blah. And people were leaving comments. You don't need to do that. Yeah. You know, you, God wants you to be happy. You don't need to, to, to conform to that. And you need to love who you love. And she's like, or I don't know. But she's like, you know, it's not about, I realize it's not about what my feel good to me or what might seem good to me or what well, it's I natural. right she goes it's about being more like Jesus and yeah. doing what Jesus specifically said to do right. and so unless I'm doing that then I can't call myself a Christ follower unless right. I'm actually following Christ 100% true and that's true for us regardless of how we might see ourselves in orientation whatever just to stick with that uh, sexuality aspect of it Homosexual, heterosexual, asexual, you know, pansexual, whatever you want to come up with, with, with all these different things, that is less the issue than wherever I am in that, I need to surrender that to Christ. Mm -hmm. I need to be surrendered to Christ. Therefore, whatever my in Jesus, who had every temptation that any of us have faced, however that manifests itself, uh, that he had these things in him, in his, in in his, his face, I should say, uh, and yet surrendered himself so completely to God right. 
that he never if gave that's not a picture of don't do whatever feels great right. or don't do whatever seems natural then i don't know what is if god wants me happy according right. to our western prosperity gospel mentality then he must really not have had any good feelings toward Jesus. Right. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with Or grief. the people that, you know, he had leading things and, sure and having major roles. Right. right. You know, or, or Moses or who, any, anybody in the Old Testament that went through these horrible right. things. Right. There's a huge difference between God wanting me happy right. and defining happy as I get to do what I want. Right. I, you know, this is what and makes life me is feel all, good. You know, peaches and, and God sunshine. wants me holy, mm-hmm. which leads to a surpassing joy when I don't get what I want. So Paul, in, in the letter to the Philippian church, is, is a huge example of this. Paul is filled with joy even when he's not happy. He's right. overwhelmingly consumed with the joy of the Lord as he's chained to a Roman guard. Right. In, On in paper, prison. he has no reason to be. <laughs> Absolutely. And he, and he makes that point more than once just to remind folks look in case you forgot i had everything in the world and in christ i've given up all of that and now i really have everything Mm -hmm. everything i thought was to my gain that's loss that that's worthless stuff and everything that anybody outside might look at me and say wow that is that's a high price that's not a price at all to borrow from the great Theologian Elton John, it's no sacrifice. There's things with an American accent. There's there's no sacrifice here at all because I'm not actually giving something up. I'm giving up something in the moment Mm -hmm. or what I think is a thing, but it isn't really a thing because the glory that I have in Christ that is coming, the eternal, lasting, never-ending joy is so much greater, it's not even worth comparing. And that that's Paul's perspective. That's why he's able to, to know what's coming and still go to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. That's why he's able to stand firm when the price is high. And yet we can also recognize in the story, it's not like he's got some death wish. He's not looking for that. Right. In fact, when they're about to beat him, he plays the he plays the, the citizenship card right. because like, he can't. He, he points out his legal standing. Right. And he uses that. And we'll see later on, he actually, uh, later on, when he comes before the governor, could have been released, mm. except for he takes his Roman citizenship right and, and appeals to Caesar. So he ends up getting sent to Rome. Why? Because God has ordained that he's going to testify before kings and, and tribunes and, and emperors, even in Rome. If he had been released, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. So. Part of God's plan for Paul that led to Paul's greater joy in his full enjoyment of Christ was Paul's suffering, shipwrecks, beatings, uh, all kinds of terrible things happening to him for the sake of the gospel, which ultimately led to his uh, appearance in Rome before Caesar and getting to preach the gospel to people that he never would have had the opportunity before. He couldn't just say, hey, I want to make an appointment with Caesar to go tell him about Jesus. But now he gets the opportunity to go and preach the gospel. And as uh, history tells us, he apparently was released, and we think maybe he went to Spain after that, and then is reincarcerated and ends up ultimately beheaded for the faith. None of it surprising to him. He's totally cool with it. Not, not that he was like, yay, cut my head off. Nobody likes these I wake things. up in the morning, I'm disappointed. Uh, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. So uh, when... It was the simple matter that he knew the reality of this world was passing. Right. And the reality of eternity 
does not pass. So when he says, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, he wasn't kidding. Mm-hmm. That wasn't just some Bible verse he memorized right. as a kid. This was his, his core belief is everything about me, everything hinges on Jesus Christ, on this relationship. Nothing else matters. When I work, I work for Christ. When I play, I play for Christ. When I eat, I drink, I sleep, I wake, it's for Christ. And if because of my faith, they take my life from me, whatever happens, I just get more Jesus Mm -hmm. because I get to go home and stop being an ambassador and get to my home country. That's when everything comes together. So that mentality is bigger than religion. It's bigger than Christianity as one among many world religions. It is the the relationship with reality in Christ that that leads me to, to say, I can't turn back on this. I really don't have a choice but to stand because I know too much. Mm-hmm. I know that this is true. So whatever you do to me, okay, I stand for truth. Well, we're, I think we're over time. Yes, we're way over time. And I feel bad because we didn't yet, get... And yet not nearly as far over as we've been before. That's true. But uh, I feel like we didn't get to any of the points that you made. <laughs> but we kind of did an overarching uh, talk here. Yeah, I think I think most of them came up within that. And if, if our rambling conversation can help anybody be able to connect this reality together, to, to literally connect the reality of God with the realities of life then that is the hopefully the we'll, we are accomplishing something worthwhile then because all of us are going to face opposition and persecution if we reflect the reality of Christ through our relationships. If we don't, then okay, never mind. You can just you can erase all the rest of this. You don't have to pay any attention. But if you are determined to, to walk the way, to, to live in the light and to follow Christ with all your, your being, then you will face trials, persecution, hardship of various kinds. And if, again, our, our rambling conversation here can help you see just how that works, the various forms that persecution can take, it's not always arrest and, mm-hmm. and martyrdom, but very often it's mockery or, or just feeling out of place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's no less real, even if the degree is, is different or the, the, the manifestation like the is different. loss of friendships or family, so familial relationships. Things. So whatever. many things. Uh, though all of those things have to, they have to find their foundation on reality, right. not religious preference. Religious preference just won't take you far enough. Right. But an understanding of truth, that this is this is foundational stuff, that's what leads us forward when the price is high. We will stop there. Um, it, yeah, if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to leave us a message on Facebook. Uh, send us an email at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail at 269-756-RLCC. Look at that. Hey-o. You got it all by yourself. No, it took like a year. Um, or, you know. Because it is such a hard number <laughs> to memorize. I focus more on memorizing numbers, but, you know, which is <laughs> dumb because I'm not a numbers person. Um, or you can uh, leave us a comment on YouTube if you're watching this on YouTube. We check there as well. So I think that's all I For have. your numbers, people, RLCC is 7522. See, I can't. I won't remember that. <laughs> I won't remember that. Um, you know what we should do? Have like a text line. Ooh. 
I'm not going to be in charge of that. Uh, so <laughs> we probably won't. <laughs> and yet, you probably will. <laughs> Coming soon. Uh, so yeah, do you have anything else? To... Soon is very, very relative here. That is, that is true. I'm already thinking about Christmas, though. All right. We like Christmas. Do you have anything else? Um, so many things we would never end, but... Okay, Lamb Chop. Well, we will... Since we're knowing that we're over, we should get going and end the podcast. End the podcast. Okay. I was going to play the Lamb Chop song. Oh, well, that never ends. Charlie Horse. Okay. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you later. tolerating (laughs) us.